Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents, and welcome to the 2021 Summer Vacation Series. We're getting to know comics from around the world who performed on our isolation comedy show last year in 2020. I'm your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Perrington, will join us if she damn well pleases. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy, including those passing through or that I just really like to talk to. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at ComedyWham or on our ComedyWham Facebook page or YouTube channel. In addition to podcasts, ComedyWham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the counter, go to the events page and click submit a show to complete the short survey. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin, check that, the world comedy scene, uh, the absolute best. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, we are headed to Richmond, Virginia, by way of L.A. and originally Richmond and originally Virginia. Uh, our guest has two specials, including her debut album uh, or her debut special, Bearded Woman. She is the co-host of the podcast and live show, Friends the Rules. And also, there's a season out of a really fun uh, live show and podcast called Important Conversations Over Fruit Chews. She's been on a ton of festivals, including San Francisco Sketch Fest, Women in Comedy Festival, the Portland Queer Comedy Festival, the All Jane Comedy Festival, and Baltimore X-Fest. She is one of our favorite comics for our 2020 Isolation Comedy Online show. And now, Comedy Wham presents our guest, Mary Jane French. Hi! <laughs> hey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. It's uh, bright and early in the morning here. <laughs> yeah, it's a little uh, a little later here, and uh, and and we're having a, a rainy day with lots of flash flood warnings. Oh uh, no! Yeah. <laughs> well, you bummer for me because I was planning on mowing my lawn today. But... Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> another day, another day. Well, Mary Jane, I, uh, I'm glad you're, you're joining me for our conversation today. I actually have an official icebreaker question for you. Are you ready? Ooh. Yes, please. <laughs> One word to describe your past. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Let's see. Um, I'm tempted to... Oh. <laughs> Um, I'm going to go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to use, uh, you know, follow the improv principle, even though I'm not an improv person, so I'm going to try and just not overthink it. And I'm going to go with the first thing that came to mind, which is, uh, uh, nerf. I'm going to go with nerf. Um, <laughs> say, uh, I am aware that I've had a, uh, a pretty, 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 uh, soft run of things, which is to say that, like, you know, I am a lucky, privileged person who uh, grew up with uh, parents who have been supportive, and uh, I've had resources available to me, so uh, 
No, actually, now that I think about it, that is a reference to The Office when uh, Craig Robinson's uh, character, Daryl, uh, accuses uh, Steve Carell's Michael of having a Nerf ball life. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I have not watched The Office, so I, I didn't get the reference. <laughs> I, I, I feel you. Um, but no, I... I don't know. As time goes on, I feel like early on in stand-up especially, because I started transitioning like a year into stand-up and I was a very, uh, I was very angry and dysphoric at the time and very, yell I'm still yelly, but now I'm like happy yelly and uh -huh. I was like angry yelly. Uh -huh. uh, but um, I, I, I now am, I look back, I'm like, I've had a pretty solid, like I, 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 I feel like it's important to acknowledge uh, the advantages that I've had. Mm. Um, and I definitely have lucked out in the area of like, yeah, I've just had like resources available to me that I, you know, not everyone has. And I'm yeah. feeling more, uh, more grateful for that lately and trying to uh, acknowledge that and be outwardly thankful. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, very good. Well, let's let's talk about your relationship with comedy growing up, and okay. wh whether comedy was a part of your life or it uh, you, a funny family, what whatever. Yeah. So I I'm the youngest of three kids, uh, which I think is well. Recently, I uh, I was at an open mic and there was a comic who mentioned being the youngest in their family. And I'm like, yeah, every comic's the youngest in their family. <laughs> um, an attention seeker, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, and I definitely, I don't know. In hindsight, I realized that a lot of what I think drew me to comedy as a kid, at least, was that. Um, there was a lot of comedy stuff that my siblings were allowed to watch that I wasn't. And I think as a kid, I internalized that. It's like, that's how I could maybe connect with my sibling. Like I wouldn't describe myself as like the funny one in my family, uh, as far as like conversational, uh, like, you know, humor goes. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I, I feel like me getting into standup was definitely a result of me being kind of a tryhard about it <laughs> <laughs> did you did you perform when you were in in school um so i started doing theater in like the summer before high school i did like community theater thing and then in high school my middle school didn't have a theater program but in high school i started doing more stuff and i was one of those kids that was just like obsessed with the simpsons and <laughs> Uh, definitely throughout high school when I started getting into stand-up, I would um, repeat any bit that I could, uh, which in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, that, I feel like that actually was how I like learned how, I, I wish I could think of a better way to put this, but how a bit should feel coming <laughs> out of your mouth. Um, uh -huh. And uh, then I, I started doing stand-up actually my, the summer before my senior year of high school. So my first year was was um my senior year like I, I i would uh i was i grew up in northern virginia and i would drive 30 minutes to the count like one county over into fairfax and do an open mic that was like on the like 
outskirts of the DC scene. And then uh, I moved to Richmond, uh, quote unquote, for college. Um, I chose I chose the school I went to because I wanted to be in Richmond as opposed to ah. uh, the other way around. Um, and uh, then I was doing stand-up in, in Richmond at that point. But uh, yeah, I've, it's a thing I've been doing pretty much my entire adult life. And I have trouble... Uh, I don't know what my life really, I mean, the only version of my life without it that I can imagine is, is lockdown. But even then I was still doing the occasional Zoom show. So. Yeah, yeah. Okay, there's a lot for me to unpack there. You mentioned early on that you started transitioning a year into comedy, but you started doing comedy in your senior year of high school. So I realized I did misspeak a little bit. I okay. started transitioning after my second year of comedy. I started transitioning okay. right after my freshman year of college. Okay. Okay. All right. Because, I mean, that, that period of, of growing up is so, uh, I mean, just speaking from my own experience, so confusing. And you have no idea what the heck you're doing. And uh, you, you don't, uh, I didn't know who I was. Oh, well, I still don't know who I am. Um, but, you know, there's so much going on, so much intensity going on in that period of time. And layer on top of that for you, layering on a gender identity battle that you're, you're, you're going through. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oof. That's yeah. a lot. And, uh, yeah. And you, you mentioned the, the self-release uh album specials that i've like put out um mm -hmm. and the first one bearded woman is just like 30 minutes of me screaming about like it's 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 from that period of time like both of those i put out largely as kind of like scrapbook diary pieces because they're um stand-up was definitely a huge part of like you know I, I feel like it's how i learned how to interact with the world around me in a lot of ways mm -hmm. um and it and so like there's a lot of stuff in both of those from like very specific points in transition um that the primary motivator for recording them like i i i felt very self-conscious recording them because i felt like i was being very arrogant um being like 20 i, I how old was i when i recorded the first one i, I was like 21 22 um yeah and i i had been doing stand-up for like two or three years and I you know the first one was recorded at a house show that I threw and it was my first time ever doing a 30 minute set <laughs> and, <laughs> I, and it uh it was but it but it has a lot of material that I was like I was aware was going was about to go away because so the first one was recorded two weeks before I started hormone replacement therapy but okay. I've been transitioning for a year at that point I just hadn't been medically transitioning um, okay and so yeah so bearded woman was recorded two weeks before i uh started uh taking hormones and then uh live at gallery five which i which is split i did with a friend uh was recorded two weeks before i got uh bottom surgery and so okay. they're both like these these uh they're ways of documenting material that i was like i know this is about to be not become relevant to me um, yeah but i but this material was like very helpful and instrumental in getting me through a very tough time so like i 
really appreciate whenever people do seek those out and listen to them or watch them. Um, but they they are really like uh, personal scrapbooks for me in, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And, and they're just, uh, you know, bits bits that helped me a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I'm always, the, one of the questions that always comes up for me when I talk to somebody who's, who's trans is, do you think that by uh, starting your transition process and kind of owning that, you know, this is, this is what you, you are or who you are and what you want to be, um, helps you with the, the comedy or is it that comedy opened you up to say, oh, no, I, I, I need to accept who, who I am and make, move forward in, in my, my transition process? I think a little bit of both. I mean, there, there was a period of time where, so I have not a completely unique, but, but definitely not necessarily the, what you, what what media will lead you to believe is everyone's experience as a trans person, which is to say that I, if, if there was ever a point where I was not out, I was actively in denial. Like I, mm. as, soon as, as soon as I accepted that something was going on, I couldn't keep it in anymore. Huh. Um, and so the way that I describe my like state of mind and my like I was very dissociative growing up as a result of that um in at, in fact in the in the couple of years immediately following transitioning I would suddenly have these memories come up where I'm like oh shit I had like candid conversations with myself about my gender in high school but if you were to ask me about that in my freshman year of college I would I would honestly tell you I have no idea what you're talking about like wow. I, I I did some real effective repression um, and I, and so I, I definitely think of myself as like this like pressurized canister that like, as I got closer and closer to coming out, you know, started having steam pop. Like I'm, I'm picturing a cartoon thing, like steam coming out of the seam, <laughs> bolts shooting across the room. And uh, I, I think, you know, I, I, so I started transitioning about, two years since I started stand-up, but I took some time off because I reached a point where I started being like, I don't know how I want to be introed and like, I don't know what to put down. And, and so I took like a couple of months off before I came out mm -hmm. because I- We're trying to figure it out. To reconcile those, yeah. yeah. And, and so I definitely, I feel like comedy helped me cope and get through the early transition process because that is a lot, that's a period of having to accept a lot of things that you've spent your whole life uh, trying not to accept and, and, and having to reverse um, some of the programming that you've internalized and I, uh, I think comedy definitely helped me process a lot of those feelings. And that being said, I also think that transitioning uh, made me a better comic, which is a weird thing. I, I feel weird saying that, but I, I think that, and, in, and, and it is weird because there, there are instances of comics, like there are comics that I can think of that, um, you know, they, they 
were good comics for a, for over a decade before something happened. But then clearly something happened in their life that was a big event, and then suddenly they're uh, now they've gone from being just like a really good comic that's been at it for a long time to being. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're now talking, so they've built up the skill over all that time uh, to be a great comic, and then they, now they have something that, like, is really important for them to be talking about, and mm-hmm. that just sort of cracks the whole thing open, and now, and then they, like, skyrocket suddenly, like, I feel like I've seen that a lot, um, and I'm hesitant to name anyone I'm thinking of, because it sounds like I'm comparing myself to them, which I am, uh, but not- <laughs> But, but I'm not saying it's the same thing because I hadn't been doing comedy for over a decade when this happened. Yeah. And so I suddenly, like, you know, kind of like two years-ish into stand-up and, and not even like two years into stand-up having started stand-up as an adult. Two years into stand-up when my first year I was a senior in high school. And, yeah. And that, that's a different progression. Like, like people who start comedy when they're like 26 or, or older, like, you know, they, 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 they have a more accelerated, uh, uh, a more accelerated um, skill pickup with it, I think, because you have more life to draw from and you, um, you know, it, I, I think that it's not a, you know, stand up isn't standardized for anyone. Um, but I definitely think that when you start younger, you get the benefit down the line of being like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm. 27 right now and i've been doing comedy for nine years that's that's nice Mm -hmm. um but when but i i think for the first couple years of that um you don't improve as quickly as as other people who started at the same time as you who are older yeah Um, but i but anywho the point is i suddenly went from doing like silly absurdist bits purely by virtue of the fact that I didn't have life to draw from really (laughs) Um, and then suddenly I had this really important thing to talk about Um, and when I say really important I mean important to me but also I think I lucked out in the timing because like I came out in 2014 which was like Right as people started to kind of be aware of like Laverne Cox, um, Caitlyn Jenner had not come out yet, but it, 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 it was like an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got a lot of attention for it. And granted, it's better now. I so deeply prefer now where I can go on stage and mention being trans without a super long explanation and then just start talking about other things and people are on board. Because yeah. for years, I had to be like, I am transgender. Let me explain what that is to you. Because otherwise, <laughs> you're going to keep looking at me cockeyed and I can't talk about anything else. Yeah. Uh, whereas now, I have like a quick bit to explain, like, that's what's going on in case you're confused. Because, um, uh, you know, when I started transitioning, I started, there were bits that used to like all, like that I would use as opening bits because they always worked. And they stopped working because people would just sort of be like looking at me sideways. Uh, being like, is this a character? What's going on here? <laughs> like, um, and so I, I, I still ha- haven't shaken the habit of gen, gen. I have one bit that I do where I can go like five minutes without mentioning it um, huh. up front, and I'll and I'll do that sometimes. But I only started doing that like 
in like 2019, like, uh, <laughs> like, uh, or even no early 2020, like right before thing. I wrote that like right before things shut down. I I think actually, um, and it it was just a um, a tough um, habit to break because I was so used. You know, you you want every set to go well, and so. Uh, it's it's hard not to just be like, well, you know, I, I have like four or five bits at this point that are just like quick. Some of them are one-liners, some of them are just like 30 seconds long, but like just like quick things where I can be like, okay, let's address this and then I can move on to whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, although now most of my act is identity related, so there's that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said you started in Northern Virginia. Am I... I'm terrible at geography. That's the, is that the DC area? Yes, it's, uh, so okay. it's what a lot of people refer to as the DMV. So it's uh, DC, Maryland, Virginia. Okay. Um, and yeah, so I, I grew up about uh, like 30 minutes outside DC. Okay. So I, from my impression, cause I, I had, uh, I've had trips out there where I looked to see what kind of, what the open mic situation was. Uh, I mean, you, it seems like you had a, a fair amount of choice for performing. You might be traveling, you know, I guess it's kind of like LA. So you're mm-hmm. maybe traveling quite a bit uh, from one to the other, but you, fair amount of stage time available for a new, new comic. Yeah. So I, and again, this is this might be a little bit of a stretch. I like to make everything about being trans. Um, but <laughs> I, growing up, I I was very. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna. This might not be the perfect term for it, but I'm gonna say self sheltered, like a self administered sheltered kid. Uh, okay. Which is to say that I. So my first year, I just went to one open mic. It was the one that I knew. I was comfortable with it. I, I love it. Yeah. I had been driving for a few years at that point, but I like barely ever left the town that I lived in. And like, so I drove, I just drove 30 minutes. I knew the way there. And I, um, and, and I just did five minutes once a week, every week. Um, and that was my first year was just okay. like being like, okay, that's Tuesdays. Um, I wasn't super comfortable going into DC on my own and navigating, uh, like the Metro and stuff. Yeah. Um, at that point, I, you know, there, I, I think there are some people who, um, grow up at a rate where they can, where they, where they want to be like, okay, I'm claiming some independence. Like, yeah, I can, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. And I was very like, well, I don't know about that yet. Like it, it took me a little while to, um, to get to that, um, I don't know if it's maturity or just confidence. Yeah. I definitely, um, yeah, I, I was definitely a late bloomer in that respect. Yeah. Well, so, I, what topic. I what I was expecting because this happens so often is you know you you have that first first experience at, at an open mic you you get addicted to it and so you just can't stop. But mm-hmm. uh, and I was I was anticipating that the contrast would be then moving to Richmond, which I don't know that it has a big big comedy scene. That you're going from all this choice and opportunity and stage time in the D.C. area to 
or an area that ha doesn't have as much would have been a contrast but it sounds it probably sounds like you just you leveled out because you, you're yeah. you're consistently going five minutes a week at this one place and then richmond is probably where you could do similar maybe two maybe three yeah so richmond um i mean it depends when you're talking about I, I spent so i'm back in richmond now as of june uh mm -hmm. but i spent five years in richmond before so I, I i lived in richmond from 2013 to 2018 i moved to la and and then in 20 in august 2018 i left la in december of 2020 uh spent six months in northern virginia um collecting myself uh you know getting a job that i could transfer down to richmond and all that and uh then moved down to richmond so i so it depends when you're talking about um because the scene has ebbed and uh and flowed uh over the the years but um i mean so yeah going from doing like one mic when i first started doing stand-up richmond i found one mic that was kind of near where i was living uh -huh. on campus at the time and i would that i could walk to and then eventually people were like you should really come to the other to the other <laughs> mic and i was like oh yeah and so then and and you know you could get up like four or five times a week if you if you're uh depending on again it depends on when but there were generally uh but whereas now actually there's starting to be a lot more like i um i just started hosting a mic in richmond uh that is also a monthly show um but i you know this, this past week i've managed to do like five sets in three days which was wow not something you could do before but you but there's now nights where you can hit you know more than one mic a night um which is great and since it is it's like a it's a pretty small scene um right now um and which means you can pretty quickly get to know the people in it and you can message people and say hey i'm coming from the from the other mic can you put me on the list later like it's mm -hmm. it's not um you know when i was in la i um there were like a handful of mics I liked to do. And at that point, what was nice about moving to LA after having done comedy for like six years at that point, I was able to, I, I, I was at a point where I was like, I feel pretty confident. I've done a good amount of festivals at this point. There's mics that I want to do. There's mics that I am just simply not interested in, but I know ever, like I didn't go to the mics at the clubs because I just, I was like, I, I don't care if the improv wants to put me up. I, I, <laughs> I, and I and I know that you know anyone anyone who does buy into the club system will go. Oh, you you just you, you're just scared of failing or whatever or whatever. But I, I I truly I'm way more interested in DIY indie stuff. Um, and I I gave I gave some of the club mics a shot because I felt like I had to do some due diligence, but. Um, I, it just stopped being worth, uh, you know, having to jump through the hoops for it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not fucking with that. And like, um, I, I definitely, uh, I'm someone who likes to do like a handful of mics a week or a handful of sets a week. I'll do less mics if I'm booked. Um, and I, I just like to keep you know like this past week I, I haven't really done performed in front of people much i've just started performing again uh uh since uh since the pandemic started and 
uh, so part of me trying to like go as hard as I did was me just being like, I just got to dust some cobwebs off. I've got <laughs> some, some bits that I, that are actually like older bits, but I like doing them, but I, I don't, I don't have them in my bones anymore. Like they're, they're not muscle memory. So I gotta like really practice them. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, anywho, I'm rambling. Uh, <laughs> it's I'm okay. I'll, I'll, I'll bring you back. Don't worry. Uh, what, what was your impetus for moving to LA? Um, you know that, so I wanted to leave Virginia because I had only ever lived in Virginia and I felt strongly that I, I, I think I was trying to prove something to myself that I wanted, that I could, that I could go out and be, and be okay. Um, mm -hmm. and I chose LA because I was not, well, when I was planning the move, right right before I moved, I suddenly traveled a bunch for comedy festivals. Um, but when I was planning where, where to move, I, I was very poorly traveled. And I chose it, um, I chose it because comedy was kind of like, it was the thing I did. And so I was like, well, if I'm gonna move, I might as well, might as well move to one of the like giant comedy scene, like the cities with a giant comedy scene. Uh, because I'm not basing it off anything else. Um, sure. And yeah, and so that was kind of like I, I, I and, and, and ultimately the decision to leave LA came from being like feeling like uh, I really love, I really loved doing comedy in LA. I really loved getting to know people who were doing comedy in LA. I was lucky enough to, I wound up getting a job working as, uh, I started in the cafe and then I started doing tech for shows, but I, I, I uh, worked at like a like cafe slash indie nonprofit comedy theater. Huh. Uh, and I eventually became the office manager there, which was great. Um, but then when we shut down for COVID, that was part of my decision being like, well, you know, I don't have the dream job anymore. Um, yeah. But I, uh, but like I, I was lucky enough to be able to be involved on that front, and I, I loved all that. But the big decision to leave LA came from being like, well, you know, I was living off unemployment with the FAC bump uh, during the pandemic, and it was the first time since getting to LA where I wasn't like scrambling to to make being there worth it. Like I wasn't. Uh, scrambling to you know i work enough to make rent uh also make sure that i'm like hitting enough like my you know spend like i worked so much that all i had time to do outside of work was like open mics or shows which was fun i love i love that i love yeah. that stuff but i was but when i was able to slow down during lockdown and able to like really think about it, i'm like you know when i lived in richmond i had like friends who weren't comics and as much as I love <laughs> our comics, I really liked having that like well-rounded uh, network of, yeah. of people. I, I missed not like, you know, I, I only had time to make friends with people who were doing the same thing I was doing. And, right. I, and I like getting to know people who have different priorities than me. And I, didn't I wasn't really taking advantage of the fact that you can do, you know, however many mics a night when you're in LA. I I, I don't like running around doing like three or four sets a night. I 
I really, first off, most of the mics you have to pay for, and I, and, and I couldn't afford that. And second off, um, you know, I, I think during your like first five years, it is a lot of like, just get the reps in, but at a certain point, you know, it, it's about writing bits that you like and knowing how to like hammer them home. And I, I didn't feel like maximum stage time was what I was benefiting from. And I'm kind of an introvert and it's exhausting and I was tired from work. And so I was like, what if I moved somewhere where I don't have to be working all the time Yeah. and I still do comedy the amount that I want. And oh my goodness, if I moved back to Richmond, the cost of living is lower enough that I could actually afford to start doing as many festivals as I want to be doing, which is my favorite thing. My favorite thing ah. is to travel to comedy and do a festival and meet comics from all over. But when rent, you know, when your rent's as high as it was when I was in LA, I, I never had uh, the funds or the energy or the time to take off work to, you know, I, I, I did some festivals. I, I, I picked some of my favorites to like still submit to and do them. Mm -hmm. And I, and I made those a priority, but you know, the year before I, uh, the year I moved to LA, cause I moved to LA in August. So in 2018, before moving to LA, I did eight festivals. And, oh, wow. And it was, it's, it was one of my favorite years of doing comedy. And while driving West, I was like, I don't know that like, 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 like I, I knew that it wasn't the reason I was doing it, but I was like, I feel like I'm, I'm making the decision to like start over comedy wise. And, and I feel like I just got some traction. Um, and so, you know, I, there were a lot of reasons. Like I, 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 I think I ultimately just decided like, okay, I spent some time here. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. And I have spent all two and a half years that I spent in LA thinking about how, I would really love to try to build up the Richmond scene and produce shows there and try to yeah. get comics comic from adjacent areas that I met doing festivals to come to town because Richmond is a spot where I really love the Richmond comedy scene and I really love Richmond as a city, but there are comics who will do shows in Asheville, North Carolina, and then go up to DC or Baltimore and they don't stop in Richmond on the way. And Richmond is on the way. Mm. And I really want to try to get Richmond to be a little more inter interwoven into the national scene because it's a really great city with, uh, that, that is worth stopping in. Yeah. Huh. Anyway, well, I, letter to Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so relate to, to your experience with LA because uh, I moved uh, to a city uh, because I was following my, my job, my career. And within a year and a half, I was just, I'm, I'm not loving the experience. I don't think I can um, thrive outside of my work uh, in this, in this city. And why don't I just find something else? And for me, it wasn't coming back home or home ish. It was, I mean, ultimately I came back home ish. Um, but it was trying out another city to just figure yeah, figure out what absolutely. what works. 
Absolutely. And like, I love the friends that I made in LA, but it's also just the culture there is so much like everyone is scrambling. So you yeah. really only have time to see people when you just both happen to be at something that you're going to be at anyway. <laughs> yeah. And you're so different by, by saying you want to have friends that aren't comics because most people that I talk to, they only want to be, it feels like, it feels like they only want to be friends with comics because they're the only people that can understand and relate to, you know, the going to two, three, four mics a night and trying to, you know, figure out how do I get booked on this show or that show? Do I, do I pay an admission fee to, to get on to a festival or, you know, the, mm. it's, you know, I mean, like, the answer is you, you do pay an admission fee to get on to a festival. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it takes a lot of labor to weed through those submissions. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, but no, I mean, yeah, I, I just, Another factor was just I wanted to, I, a thing that I kept running into in L.A. was, that, you know, if, if you're doing comedy in L.A., especially, and this is going to be me kind of tooting my own horn, but, like, I, I, I had a lot of luck in L.A. with getting booked. People, I, 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 I wasn't, like, the busiest comic in town by any means, but as uh -huh. far as, like, for the short amount of time that I was there, and the shows that I got to wind up on, I I was really lucky. And um, when people, you know, when you're someone who moves to LA and you're doing comedy, people make a lot of assumptions about what your goals in comedy are. And so then you're talking to people who are just telling you how to get noticed by X, Y, or Z entity that I couldn't give less of a fuck about. <laughs> but, but, but when you're in that environment all the time, it's hard not to internalize that like you know if you're doing this thing that you love you better be trying to make a living off of it and the reality is i'm just not i really think that that poisons it for me and i'm not telling other people they shouldn't be doing that yeah but i am way more interested in having my motivation for all of this be a weird compulsion and and a labor of love as opposed to the very normal compulsion of i gotta eat um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, so much more interested in uh, in doing this uh, for for other reasons than than trying to get Netflix to give me something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've reached a level of wisdom that takes uh, some people many, many, many years. Uh, so it's good to figure that out uh, in your twenties. I I immensely respect that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I always feel I, I always feel very pretentious spouting off about it. So I appreciate the positive feedback. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just imagine the amount of, of wasted time chasing after something that in your heart of hearts you, you realize you, you you know eventually realize that that's that's not what I wanted after all and to to know in yourself that it's not at an early age and just go after the thing that you do actually in your heart of hearts. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know what my goal is right now. My goal is to start performing regularly again. When I think it's safe, I want to start going to other cities nearby. I want to dust off my cobwebs. I want to, I want to record an album that it will be in my opinion, my first, like I want to record an album album as opposed uh -huh. to, I want to document something album. Um, and 
and you know i'll i'll try and get some comedy label attention to try to put it out but if i can't i've put two things out on my own already like i I, i'm very confident like that's one of the reasons why i'm like yeah i don't want like i i shot a special when i was uh 22 uh just or no i was 20 21 uh by just you know, getting some friends together and setting up some cameras in my fucking house. And, you know, I, I look at that special now and go, Ooh, I was green. But <laughs> I, but that being said, I don't think it turned out poorly. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> um, and like, um, and, and also if you record something and you don't look at it a year and a half later and think, Oh God, that, you know, that's so long ago. And I, I've grown so much then you know, what are you doing? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, 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 I just, uh, I feel much more attached to the, the DIY end of things and and trying to, uh, just make things happen on my own because I, uh, I have a, I have a less than great relationship with, with trying to seek approval. It never makes me feel good about myself. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I would rather just try to do something on my own um, because it, I don't have to go through that fucking gauntlet of trying to make someone else tell me it's okay. Um, yeah. That, 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 that's a really um, unpleasant feeling for me and I, I would rather skip it. <laughs> wise beyond your years, Mary Jane. You are wise <laughs> beyond your years. <laughs> about the Richmond scene and what you hope for it to be because I, 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 I keep thinking about uh, Fort Collins and I'm sure you've you follow uh, several of the comics that are in Fort Collins and how you know a, a pivotal pair uh, group of, of comics have really cultivated that that scene and made it a destination um, and it's it's a uh, kind of an exciting thing to see that you know you you your work, you cultivate, and you're so lucky for where you are because you're you're on the East Coast. New York is not not super far, so you can draw some people. And like you said, I you know I know there's some great comics in the North Carolina area, and if they're headed up to DC, they should stop. <laughs> where there's somebody who you know is is trying to build a scene in a in a positive way. So. Um, yeah, I mean, my my plan right now is I'm I'm trying to start producing shows because I I have some experience with it, and I think I think I'm very good at putting a show together and making a show that any comedy fan would want to go to. I am I have so much to learn in the area of marketing. Yeah, and and so right right now I am trying to build up my skill of just getting butts and seats because I. I I have produced so many shows that I've been like, yeah, we got like a handful of people here and they all loved it. And if I could just get more people, it would only be better. Um, and so that's the skill that I'm trying to build right now. And my, my five-year goal is to do a comedy festival in Richmond. And my 10-year goal is to try to do a venue. Um, but that's, 
that that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Especially after having um worked at the theater in LA and, and realizing that I really enjoy the administrative end of that work. Oh my god. Yeah. It turns out I love a spreadsheet. Um, and so if I can take the work that I tolerate doing for money and turn it into something that results in having the comedy scene that I want, that would be the dream. Uh, I just have to get better at marketing. <laughs> That's the big barrier. I just need to. Here's here's the thing that I've actually learned, and I I would love, I I would love to pick your brain as well. I, I recently hit up a friend of mine who's a producer in Portland to be like, okay, I know you get butts and seats. Tell me what you do, and I would love to pick your brain about that as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to just figure out everyone, any anyone who's a producer not in LA or New York, because I think it's it's just a completely different beast if you're in one of those cities. Yeah. Um, well, because if you're in one of those cities, the way you get butts and seats, it's like, you know, again, I worked at the theater and there was a night where a show canceled, like, kind of last minute. And so the day before, I, they were like, do you want to produce a show tomorrow night? And I was like, okay, the best chance of getting people to show up to a show last minute is book a lineup of people, make it a show where everyone's recording a tape, and then they'll actually be motivated to get people out. Like, well... <laughs> Yeah. And then, then the comics will fill it for you. And that's the best way I can think to get butts and seats without making it actually a bringer show. I don't like bringer shows. Yeah. But if I can just go, hey, every comic in LA wants a new tape. So I will tape this show and you will get a new tape. We're doing this last minute. I'm promoting, but like I need everyone on the lineup to also try and get folks out. And also, since everyone's a performer, everyone can sympathetically go, okay, yeah, I'll come to your show last minute so that you can get a decent tape. Like, but the thing is, is that, and, and, and I did that show like two or three times. And uh, the first time, the first two times, I got like a decent turnout. Like, you know, we, we, we set the camera so you couldn't see the audience and the audience laughed loud enough that it, the tapes were good. But the third time we did it, I wound up getting a Facebook message from uh, a comic who was looking to, who, who's like a national headliner who was looking to just like try out some new stuff and just wanted to do a drop in. And I was like, yeah, do you mind if I promote that you're going to be on this? And she was like, sure. And you know, Maria Bamford will fucking fill seats. Like, and so like, if you're in, if you're in New York or LA, you just have to like try and get someone who's a headliner to do 10 minutes on your show. And then you can, yeah. Then you can fill it up. But in uh, but trying to get people to come to local or regional comedy outside of those markets, I I'm trying to figure out like because the big barrier that I've realized is that the marketing strategies that work on me don't fucking work on other people. <laughs> I will go to a free show. So it took me way too long to realize that you will get more people to come out to your show if you just charge a $5 ticket yeah. than if you make it free. Because if you make it free, they don't have to commit in advance. And they don't, you know, on, on some psychological level, people will internalize that if you're not valuing your show, why should they value your show? Yeah. And so if you just charge a, 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 a ticket that won't break anyone's bank, you'll get more people than with a free show. But like, it took me way too long to learn that. 
Oh man. Well, I produce I produce a free show, Mary Jane. Okay. <laughs> but you know what I do? I hustle hard for tips. My comics are, and my, the the venue pays a, a pays an amount that they they each of my comics gets paid a good amount, and then I hustle really really hard for tips, and usually my comics walk away with twice what you know they were originally booked for. That's so, fucking awesome, and yeah. I yeah yeah, and, and and I know that nothing is a hard and fast rule with anything. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I would love to hear uh, what, like, yeah, my, my, my point is, is that I, I have a lot to learn on the, on the market again. Yeah, I, I think you are the second person that I've ever talked to that was so excited about spreadsheets. Um, so <laughs> this, is, this is a monumental event, personal event for me, because we've, Comedy Ram has had over 200 interviews, and you were only my second person who just profess their love of spreadsheets <laughs> i love them i love i love They're amazing formulas in them. i love using them to track who who you know who who's come before who yep. who's, who's the first timer who you know what 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 the ticket split that we're doing is and <laughs> oh yes <laughs> um, <laughs> it's the easiest way for me to keep track of shit that i cannot keep in my head Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh goodness! Well, um, uh, you, let's talk about your podcast because <laughs> we've talked okay. about so much. Let's talk about uh, the the fence, the rules, and uh, you were telling me before we started recording about the conversation, important conversations over fruit over shoes. Fruit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so Femmes the Rules is a show that I started with uh, Sammy Mallory in LA, and uh, now that now that we are no longer in the same city, uh, uh, Sammy is going to keep doing the show in LA. Um, actually, we just got an email yesterday about a venue offering a time slot for it, so that's exciting that the LA uh, LA chapter, the, the the original chapter, is going to uh, probably hopefully start up again uh, uh -huh. in the next few months. And then, um, fingers crossed. Um, I mean, I'm not super involved in that. I just forwarded the email along, but um, I, but I am, I'm in the process of trying to find a venue in Richmond to start doing the show here because, uh, so the premise of the show is, uh, so it's called Them's the Rules, the show where men get interrupted and it's 100% based on, uh, so Sammy and I were at an open mic in LA um, and we were watching a comic who was just a, he wasn't bad, but he was just a, a, the, you know, you know, when you're watching someone, you're like, oh, you're just like aggressively a straight white dude. And at one point he, he was talking about, he was doing some sort of fucking men and women premise and mm. he wound up saying the phrase, them's the rules. I wrote down the phrase "fems the rules." I showed it to Maori like we were in a middle school English class, <laughs> and they drew an arrow to it and said "title of show." And then, like a week later, I like was pitching like, "Okay, but what would that show be?" And what we <laughs> landed on is that we book three comics who are uh, not men. Is really the <laughs> the operative. Uh, they are normally women. Normally. Yeah, they're normally women, but we'll also book non-binary folks. And um, 
we so we book three comics and then we ask them for a list of like who are three men in comedy that you are interested in interrupting and they give us a list of who they want and then we we reach out to those folks and we book one of them um and that's where we get to make some decisions but also it's a matter of who's available um and so we book one of them and then we have so we wind up with a lineup of three men and then uh people who want to interrupt them and so the, the format of the show is that um and then I, I at the top sammy and i will do an example set um where we we pick someone who winds up being the resident ally for the week for the month um and so we so we have a hot seat where uh the initial people that we booked can sit during the their man set um and they they have their own mic and they have a bell and so we just have the man start doing his set, and then the person who's uh, paired with him can either can either just butt in and interrupt. Like they, they can do pretty much whatever they want. They can butt in and interrupt. They can they can ring the bell um, to, as a tool to interrupt because we found that a lot of people are very polite and don't uh, want to just uh, yeah. start talking over people. Um, and so the bell is used for literally anything they want. They can use it as just a thing of, oh, I have something to say. They can use it to dole out arbitrary strikes and um, <laughs> they, can, they can also uh, use it to uh, impose a new rule. Like they can do like, hey, every time you get a laugh, you have to do a high kick now or whatever. Um, and so the, they both, both the, uh, the initial comic we booked and the man that they're paired with, they both get eight minutes, but if the man gets three strikes during his set, his time is cut short and added to the other person's time. Ah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then after the man's set, they switch spots and the man has to just sort of sit there quietly and watch, watch the set. <laughs> and, I love it. Yeah. And so that's, that's the premise of the show. And, the podcast has been on pause for a little bit, but we'll, you know, once we start doing the live show again, we will have um, uh, material for future podcasts because the, the podcast is, um, so for each show, we do three pairs. Each episode of the podcast is one pair. Okay. And uh, the first half of the podcast is generally a, um, is just audio from the live show. It's the set. Um, and then the second half, is uh, an interview with the pair talking about their experience doing the show and what their relationship is like. Because what we've found in doing the show, like we, we try to emphasize really hard, like it's all in good fun. This is because people, people think it sounds like a really mean spirited show. And I'm like, honestly, we, it never, it never has been. No uh -huh. one has ever revenge paired themselves with someone like it, it, it is uh Comics show affection by shitting on one another. So yes, uh, it's a very affectionate show. Every time we've asked uh, the women or non-binary folks that we're looking uh, to be on the show, the list of men that they give us are all people that they've been friends with for years. Like it's all, um, you know, it's all very. It, it weirdly enough, it has wound up being a show about friendship more than anything else. Yeah. Bonus. Yeah, it, it's a really, uh, it, it, it's a very, like, it's a show that kind of sprung up 
uh, very organically and by by happenstance, and it has wound up being like this very uh, wholesome wholesome thing where people insult each other all day. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I'm sure this has uh, crossed your mind, but I I think that's such a perfect concept to take to festivals too. So. Yes, we we are hoping to. So we we had only started the show. The show was like just starting, like, like we were like, okay, we want to focus on getting the show up and running before mm -hmm. we really like submit it places. And we had just started to get to the point where we wanted to submit it and then the pandemic hit. And so, yeah, but, yeah. uh, but no, we definitely want to, uh, try and do it at festivals because A, uh, we think it would work well in festivals and B, uh, it would be the perfect excuse for Sammy and I to reunite, uh, to do the show together again. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And the important conversations, do you want to give a quick primer on the first season yes. of that one? So, so important conversations over fruit shoes is a uh, podcast that has the, the first season is out. The way that that got made was that I had a friend. So uh, Chris Hotany is a wonderful human being who uh, I Hell, is one of the producers for the Ha Ha Harvest Comedy Festival in Portland. Okay. Um, and when they were, so their second year of doing that, so the first year they did that festival, it was a pop-up, and it was kind of like an invite festival, is my understanding. But the second year, they were accepting submissions, and they wanted podcasts to do. And I had not made this podcast, but I had an idea for this podcast for years. And I was like, this is the only time that I'm going to get someone to let me do this without proof of concept. <laughs> or where, 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 where I'll have any chance of it. And so I pitched it to Chris because Chris and I have a, a shared love of absurd premises. And so the premise of this show is that I have a bowl filled with topics, papers with topics written on them. I have a guest on. They grab a topic out of the bowl. Then we start a timer. And for four minutes, we talk about, uh, you know, topics that range from... Uh, the gender binary, uh, the importance of a healthy diet, um, the Reagan administration, <laughs> race in America, you know, what, what have you. Um, and we, we talk about that while loudly eating fruit chew candies. Um, <laughs> the, length, the length of the episodes is designed by, it's, it's, a, it's a really dumb, silly premise, but I also think that's the longest that someone could tolerate listening to that. <laughs> um, just in their in their earbuds, just you know, people chowing yeah. down on, on gelatin candy, uh, and then, uh, but also, uh, because of how short the episodes are, I then thought, you know, I don't need to just make this a um, a podcast that I that I record uh, randomly. It would actually be way more fun to record an entire season as part of a live show. And so that's what I did at the festival. So a bunch of comics that were on this festival were put on this show, whether they liked it or not. <laughs> and uh, it was, it's kind of a stunt show where over the course of the hour, you know, each comic is doing it for five minutes, but I am doing it for a solid hour where I'm just consistently eating this candy that is, you know, by, I, I brought a tooth, I brought like a travel toothbrush with me so I could go into the bathroom after the show. Cause like <laughs> by the end of it, my teeth are like sliding off, off of each other. Uh. Like as I'm like mashing down and like, I get, I get kind of, I get real loopy at the end. Like I get, I get kind of drunk on candy. Um, and it's, um, 
it's just if if you're looking for a a weird absurd time it's it, it's definitely a stunt show and yeah. i'm 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 really hoping that as things start opening up and become safe uh, to do stuff again, that is another show that I'm I want to record more seasons and I and I want to have every season be in a different city. So the first city, yeah. and, and I want to just do it at festivals. And so I, I the first one is at the Ha Ha Harvest Festival in Portland, Oregon. And now I'm I'm wanting to try and every festival I submit to, I'm going to try and be like, this is my podcast. You, will you let me do it? Yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, well, uh, Mary Jane, is there? We're going to start winding down. Is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you want to talk about? Um, I, you know, I, I got to ramble about both of those shows that I love. I got uh -huh. to talk about uh, how happy I am to be in Richmond. Uh, you know, the, o the only thing, and I think that this uh, is implied by how much I rambled about how happy I am to be back in Richmond, but um, it's funny, I, so I, I was on like a Zoom show uh, right before moving back to Richmond, but I moved back to Virginia, and I was on a show uh, with some, some comics from D.C. and like a New York comic, and the host was a D.C. comic, and who didn't know me, but found out that I just moved back to Virginia from LA and, and, and made like a like, oh, oh damn, it's normally the other way around. And like, and now I'm like hesitant to like, like when people at, like when I mentioned I just moved back to Richmond, I'm like, oh yeah, I moved back to California. Like I don't, I like completely uh. played it down the comedy end because comics will act like it's this big tragedy. Uh. And I'm, I am thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, and, and again, don't get me wrong. I love, I love LA comics and I love, yeah. um, I love the comedy scene there. And I, I plan to visit a lot, but as far as I, I forgot how much nature is in Richmond and it's, <laughs> it's not dusty and there's no fire season. And, oh, yeah. and, and, and I, I am currently paying. So I, I lived in, in LA for two and a half years and I lived in four different apartments and the cheapest apartment I ever had, uh, was the last one that I had. I had moved in with my with my partner. I wound up bringing back to Richmond with me. Um, he hated LA, but I, we we now live in a house that we managed to buy after six months of living in my parents' basement. We managed wow. to save up enough to buy a house, uh, wow. and we don't have like yeah. I'm I'm a supervisor at a grocery store. Like we're we're not like we don't have like high powered jobs um, and. We, um, yeah, so what, our monthly payment on our house where we have, technically this house has four bedrooms. I'm in one of them right now. And it's, it's an office. It's not a bedroom. It's an office. It just has a window, a door, and a closet. So people, it's listed as a bedroom. But th this house is, we, we've got a full fucking house to ourselves. We have no roommates. We have a, we have a big backyard. We live, uh, like, we're, we're, we're in... Richmond, we're in the city. Uh, we're we're right by the river, which is great for us. We, uh, but so my point is, our monthly payment on this house was the same as our half of what we paid for a two-bedroom apartment in Santa Clarita that we shared with another couple. That and we we weren't even in like LA proper at that point. We were in Santa Clarita. We were, I was, when I was working at the theater, I was commuting 30 miles from Santa Clarita to Silver Lake. Oof. And 
I'm now paying the same amount for this house that's close to everything I want to go to. Um, you know, every, everything's like a 10, 15 minute drive. And I, and I'm, and, and also like as much, again, I, I, I'm trying to make sure that me rambling about being glad to no longer be in LA does not come off as an insult to my friends who are in LA. Yeah. I love them so much. But also like so much of my chosen family is here and, and so much of, uh, and, and, and also I have time to see people just, just to see them. Yeah. It's yeah. not, it's not, oh, I can fit you in, in between getting off work and going to three mics. It's like, no, I, I have days off where I can just, I can just see someone and we go to a park and we can, we, I, I, I just get to feel more well-rounded and I, I, I just, uh, I'm, I'm so happy to be back here. I'm repeating myself now. So I can stop <laughs> rambling. It but, sounds amazing. It sounds but amazing. But, but my point is, it's not a tragedy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Um, so you have, throughout our conversation, been uh, writing your love letter to Richmond in the comedy scene. So we're, because this is my summer vacation series, I want to ask uh, my my guests to uh, tell me about their comedy scenes, which you've done throughout the, the our entire talk, but also tell us some comics that we should be looking out for that or paying attention to from Absolutely. Richmond. Um, I love, so Francesca Lynn is one of my favorite uh, Richmond comics. She's fantastic. Um, there are a handful of comics that are my, that are some of my favorites that uh, are some of the more, um, covid conscious one so they're not uh, out as much right now but i love but patrick Busey um is one of my oldest friends at this point and he um is just a fucking delight to watch mm -hmm. uh, and uh tom hall uh randolph washington jr is a comic that i have only met since moving back but has impressed me a lot i really adore him um Jacob McFadden uh, is my favorite host in Richmond. Um, honestly, like I, 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 lo I love when he gets a book when, when he does when he does a, a showcase spot too. But him, but but he he's like loose when hosting in a way where he I, I don't I, I don't even know how to describe it. But it, he he's got an enigmatic quality to him, um, and um, uh. Yeah, Am Amber Hendricks is also uh, someone that I that I love, and uh, yeah, and 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 Lucy Benino is uh, a comic that I is someone that I've seen mostly since getting back, who has impressed me a lot, and um, yeah, I yeah, there's a lot of comics in return that I think are um, oh Brandon Beswick. Um, for sure. Uh, he's got so much fucking energy and is such a fun, he writes such fun bits. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 I could keep going and I, and I'm sure that there is, that if, if, if any Richmond comics listen to this, there's someone that I've missed who, uh, <laughs> you know, um, oh, uh, Tyler Bowers and Monty Giles are both people that I have, uh, only met since getting here who have been uh 
they're both kind of, they fall into the, one thing that I love about Richmond comedy that might not be everyone's favorite thing, Richmond comedy is definitely, um, it, I mean, a little less so now than when I was in it before, but there's a lot of like, you know, gruff uh, folks who uh, I appreciate because when I, I spent a lot of time incubating in Richmond before I started doing festivals or going outside of the city to do comedy. And I found that there are a lot of elements to the Richmond comedy scene that made me very well prepared to go elsewhere. And I found that I had developed certain skill sets um, that I didn't realize would make me impressive to other comics. But when I went to festivals, I kept getting feedback about you know, being able to bring my own energy to a room that didn't have a lot of energy or because, you know, at least when I was in Richmond before, most of the shows are, are ambush shows. You're, you just show up to a bar and there's a bunch of people there who weren't expecting comedy and you have to make them be happy about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and and, and they, they'll talk over you if you're not interesting. So yeah. you just have to learn to yell and be interesting on top of that. You have to get their attention and then hold it. And um, and so uh, there's a lot of things that I really like about the comedy scene. But anywho, the reason I brought up people being a little uh, uh, gruff or whatever is uh, Tyler and Monty remind me of that vibe to some degree. To the, let me put it this way. I did their mic the other night. And I, and I think Tyler and Monty are both sweethearts. Um, but when I went up, I, they, they had like a very raucous room with, a, with some bros in the back. And it was, it, was a, it was a fun room. But when I went up, I, I, I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to ruin Monty's reputation. But before he brought me up, he did ask what my pronouns were. Um, you know, that sort of vibe where someone, someone who, who will ask me my pronouns to make sure that he gets them right. <laughs> But also, I know that he'll be embarrassed if I tell anyone that he did that. <laughs> so, uh, um, but they, they, they've both been uh, very fun to be around. And I think that they're both people who clearly have similar goals as me of wanting to try to build the scene up. Um, and, they, and they've been fun to watch. That's wonderful. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, we are going to close out with your final question for the day. One word to describe your future. Oh, one word to describe my future. Got my past, and that was Nerf. And my future. I'm going to go with just excited. I'm excited. I'm very excited to move forward and try to. Uh, I feel like. Um, Given, given what my goals have always been in comedy, uh, I think it was important that I move away for a little bit. And now I don't have any question about whether or not I want to move away now that I'm back. But I, I feel so much more well poised to, to go after what my goals are yeah. now than, than I felt I was uh, at any point before. I feel... I feel like I, I know what I want to do and I feel like uh, not like it's going to be easy, but like I, I'm, I'm well positioned to, to go for it. So yeah. 
I'm excited yeah. for you. I'm 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 looking. I want to go visit Richmond now to check out the comedy scene. So please I'm do. Excited. I, I, I haven't actually been in Austin physically, but I've been told that Richmond and Austin are very similar. Uh, the same way, I mean, I people also say that Richmond and Portland are very similar, and that Portland, Oregon, and I've been to Portland a bunch, and I can verify that they are. Portland feels like a bigger Richmond, but I also yeah. know people compare Portland and Austin, so. Yeah, yeah. So and, 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 and Richmond and Austin also have the shared thing of being a, 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 a leftist, punky city. Richmond's more in the Confederate South, but yeah. you know, Texas, I know Texas <laughs> is its own thing. I know, I know Texas doesn't claim Southern necessarily. Is that true? Or uh, Texas is its own entity, right? It's its own entity. It doesn't, it doesn't have a great relationship with race. So yeah, I, 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 I understand that. Um, and, <laughs> And Richmond, well, the way the way that I used to describe Richmond to people who don't who aren't familiar with it is that I used to joke that Richmond is like if Portland, Oregon. This was before Portland had. Uh, this is before the pandemic and lockdown and and all of the protests. And I feel like this is no longer applicable to Portland because uh, Portland has now had to acknowledge this uh, in a lot of ways. But I used to joke that Richmond was like if Portland, Oregon had to acknowledge its racist history. Uh. Um, yeah. Uh, not that not that Richmond is. I I mean I I think that you know any anywhere in the U.S. has has uh, a lot to reckon with in yeah. terms of uh, figuring out uh, how to move forward given given our history. So right right. But, but everywhere has its own specific stuff, and obviously Richmond being the former capital of the Confederacy, uh, definitely has a lot of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's a it's a thing to ever be working on. Yes, yes. I had a conversation with my child about that. How you just you have to make you have to move the needle a little bit to use a very overused phrase. <laughs> make, <laughs> make progress. Make progress. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Ram presents Mary Jane French. Tell us where we can find you on social media and let us know about your upcoming shows and projects. Yes, uh, on social media, you can find me at, uh, on Instagram at Mary Jane French. Uh, you can also find uh, any shows that I'm producing on Instagram uh, at Traverse Comedy. Uh, that's the production handle that um, okay. my partner and I are using for our, our staff. And that's where we are posting anything that we're producing. Uh, it's it's where we've uh, promoted all of our online stuff uh, during lockdown, and it's where we're now promoting all the live stuff that we're doing in Richmond. Um, and as far as projects go, uh, for right now, I'm just focusing on getting back in the game and trying to produce a few shows. I do have a, if anyone uh, in or around Richmond is, is listening to this, um, I do have a uh, show at Bottoms Up Pizza in Shaco Bottom on Monday, August 30th at 7 p.m. Uh, we've got Chelsea Short coming down from D.C., Elizabeth Norman coming down from Baltimore, and then we have uh, Brandon Beswick and Francesca Lynn from Richmond, and I will be hosting that, and that's just a, a $5 show, um, and you can find 
the link for tickets to that at either of the Instagram handles that I just mentioned. It should be in the, well, there's a link tree in the bio, but then the, the tickets will be in the link tree. And uh, yeah. Fantastic. So, mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much for having me. This is yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Mary Jane got to be the comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as I have. And somebody who knows where she wants to be. Uh, this has been Comedy Wham presents Mary Jane French. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Mary Jane. Thank you, Valerie.